Welcome to the Roots Podcast, brought to you from the Training and Equipping Ministry of Chanctonbury, exploring revival, church, leadership and culture. Discover more about our community at chanctonbury.org.uk. So welcome to the pod, Bishop Ruth Bushyaga, and I'm delighted uh, that Bishop Ruth is with us. I'm going to give her a very quick introduction and... Uh, Bishop Ruth um, is the kind of new Bishop of Horsham here in West Sussex. She is formerly a civil servant, formerly a school chaplain, formerly chaplain to the Bishop of London, specialising in preparing for the London 2012 Olympics in training up over 2,000 evangelists, uh, formerly uh Vicar of St Paul's Dorking and Rural Dean, I think, yeah. and now um, is with us here in Sussex as uh, not only the first uh, woman bishop of Horsham, but also, I believe, the youngest bishop in the Church of England. Yeah. So bishop Ruth, welcome to the pod. Thank you. It's my birthday soon, and I'll still be the youngest bishop. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Um, bishop Ruth, just Tell us very briefly, um, I've I shared about some of the stuff that you've done, but tell us a bit about your family background. Oh, yeah. So I was born uh, in Essex, South End on Sea. So Essex, born and bred, um, lived briefly in Australia and Fiji. Um, my mum was, um, my mum and dad split up, so single mum. Uh, and she was involved in politics and uh, local government. And my dad was a solicitor. They're both now retired and two brothers and um, married to Ron. And we've got two girls, Zoe and Phoebe, one in primary and one in secondary school. So we're at that sort of age and stage of parenting and marriage and thankfully no longer homeschooling. So yeah, we're wow. in a good place. We're in a good place. <laughs> Um, well, Bishop Ruth, we, we loved having you at Chanctonbury, and Bishop Ruth is kindly joining us for a mini-series on leadership. Um, and so first question, Bishop Ruth, um, I think just as we're, we're all wanting to grow, all wanting to learn, um, wh- what would be the main thing that you would say um, is so important if we want to grow into being um, Jesus-looking, godly leaders in the kingdom of God? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. We could talk about leadership from so many angles, couldn't we? And there's endless business books and sort of leadership gurus out there. But in the kingdom of God, that's the critical piece, isn't it? That we're talking about spiritual leadership. And so there are some similarities, but there are also really important differences. So I'll, I'll try and hone in on the uniqueness of, of spiritual leadership, perhaps as opposed to other leadership experience people have had or leadership training people have read about or received in their various professions I would say the absolute number one is your character your godly character we're called to live holy lives 1 Peter 1 15 to 16 um, urges us towards holy living uh, to do the things that Jesus did but first and foremost before we do anything like Christ to work on being formed in in his in the likeness of his character. Mm-hmm. God made us in his image. That image is horribly broken, but yet we are redeemed to form our character to be Christ-like. 
Um, and and that's the fruit of the spirit in us. Um, the theological term is regeneration, but that 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 renewal, that being born again and being regenerate, that constant process um, of character formation. Um, and if you get your character right, everything about leadership is almost, in a funny way, sort of inconsequential to that. You know, skills, experience. Um, competencies, chemistry with the team, all that sort of package of stuff that follows on. It's very important, competence, skills, gifting, chemistry, calling. But over and above it all is character. So when I've been in a position, as I have been for many years, of, of, of recruiting, um, either recruiting to a leadership team of lay leaders or paid lay people or recruiting clergy, it's it's like in sort of a neon sign above the entire process is character, and um, and before even you know we're even talking about other people, that's my primary concern personally is my is my character, mm. uh, because if there are flaws and there are flaws in all of us of course, but it it's about that that that, that self awareness what you're really working on what you're really uh, who you're really seeking to be under God before you talk about what you're trying to do under God yeah. in his name of his kingdom. So I would say there are two things that are utterly paramount under this heading in terms of character. Uh, the first one is about trust, um, because there's loads of dimensions to Christian character, but you have to be trustworthy. If you're going to have any kind of ministry that's effective, you have to be able to be trusted. Um, it's a very hard reality, the number of lay and ordained church leaders out there right now, where fundamentally they can't actually be trusted. Their word is not their bond. Mm. Uh, their promises are empty. They don't deliver on what they say they'll do. Even the most mundane and simple things, there isn't a consistency. Mm. There isn't integrity over money or time, or what they've been entrusted to in terms of stewardship. Um, they're indiscreet with confidential things um, as and when it suits them. Um, and though churches led by people like that just limp along yeah. and slowly decline um, because you can't have confidence in the leadership. Um, and when there's a fundamental mismatch between what is being said from the pulpit or in meetings or one-to-one -one or in prayer and what is actually happening, um, the sort of tank of trust that should be full just drains away and you end up with the life just drains out of a church. And, and you can have leaders that are brilliant at all kinds of leadership tasks. They, they can cast red-hot vision. They can preach uh, brilliantly. They can write books. They can... Um, they can uh, express great value over other people. They can um, celebrate people well. They can bring a lot of laughter and jokes into the room and have a lot of joy around them. They can do all sorts of things. But if there's this thread of mistrust running through, mm. it's catastrophic for leadership. Mm. Um, now, when, pe when people have heard me say this about trust, um, it's very quick to say, well, well, nobody's perfect. Now, I'm not, I'm not arguing for anybody to be perfect. That's actually very important. You don't need to be perfect. You need to be consistent, reliable, and truthful. 
You need to actually be a person of integrity. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes you a safe leader, not a perfect leader. Actually, perfect leaders are very, very dangerous people, very dangerous people. Uh, when they're put on a pedestal, they believe their own hype and they have this aura of perfection around them. The perfect marriage, perfect family, perfect home life. They're perfectly turned out. Very dangerous. Mm. You don't want to be perfect, but you've got to be trustworthy. You've got to be safe. And so parts of when I'm looking for this character of trustworthiness, um, what you're actually looking for is things like somebody who apologizes readily, <laughs> um, somebody who owns up immediately to their mistakes, mm. who never covers up wrongdoing, even the tiny things, who owns their own stuff uh, and who names it. Mm. Uh, you're looking for a leader who takes responsibility for their stuff and their people stuff and their organization stuff. You never scapegoating and deflecting attention away from mistakes um, or excusing mistakes or covering up mistakes. Um, and if you're a leader who has pride issues, you will find it very hard to readily apologize mm. because that will just uh, constantly be bashing up against your own ego. Um, so trust and humility go hand in hand. Humility is the most beautiful, beautiful character um jesus the the ultimate humble leader the one who washes the feet of his just like the one who takes the form of a slave mm. in order to serve the purposes of the kingdom mm. so trust and humility go hand in hand uh so that's the first part of the question the second part of the question and then i'll let you get a word in edgewise no, it's, it's, it's awesome okay really appreciating this thank you bishop um that Spiritual leaders um, need to work on the place that they're leading out from on their insides, the place of their own personal security. Um, and that's where their character is formed. Uh, because when you meet a leader who is trustworthy and humble and deeply secure, you're on to a winner because uh, God will really use them. God can use them. Um, if you if you meet somebody who is operating out of a place of, of deep insecurity, what you tend to get is um, very fragile or broken uh, leadership in the end. Um, and all sorts of masks have to be worn to cover up that sort of insecurity and deal with it. And again, it can be very dangerous for churches and, and work in the kingdom. Um, now, how do we how do we attend to our own inner security? Well, you cannot escape your what's formed you. James, you were asking me a moment ago about my family. You know, my family background. Everybody has a family of origin. Whether you're you you were raised by your uh, mum and dad in a sort of you know um, classic nuclear family. Whether you were adopted, fostered uh, in care homes, whatever your family of origin was. Um, some of us grew up in Christian homes and we had amazing models of Christ-like love and faithfulness, uh, but many of us didn't. And there's a huge spectrum of less than ideal childhoods where we were deeply formed as people. You can never escape the, the power of how we were formed in childhood. And some of our families of origin were loving but dysfunctional, and it's a spectrum to that mildly broken to seriously abusive and we're all on a spectrum and 
by the grace of God, you can get deeply secure Christian leaders emerge from the full spectrum of less than ideal childhoods. Uh, but one really fundamental thing is about unconditional love. Uh, because people who've been raised with a deep security that you're loved and accepted for who you are are going to find it much easier to know the love and acceptance of their heavenly father. They're going to be fundamentally living out of a secure foundation. Mm. And when your parents are attuned to your needs, when there's secure attachment, when there's there's that good character that grows within really healthy, appropriate boundaries the child can trust that their needs will be met. The bond is strong and this, this deep security forms. Um, many of us didn't have that. And when you don't have that unconditional love of childhood, there's a sort of striving element that grows within us. That actually, for some reason or other, we receive love conditionally. Uh, and what we do is we grow up to be teenagers and adults who are, are out to impress people uh, and to win favor, to win love or affection or approval. And so we do things like we exaggerate because we're trying to impress. Actually, exaggeration is lying. We lie to try and impress others. Uh, and if we're liars and we're doing that because we're insecure, actually, we can't be trusted. Yeah. And so the, the, the character of a leader, mm. it needs to be reformed in us by the grace of God. And um, we, we, if we're not secure, what we do is we compromise our integrity in order to achieve attention or some kind of reward. Um, I'll tell you a little story about my husband, because we were newly married and he dropped his laptop down the stairs and he rang the insurance company and they said, well, what do you use your laptop for? Because on the policy, it's covered if you use it mainly for work. My husband said, well, I had a real think about it. And he said, it's 50-50. Half the time I use it for work, half the time I use it for pleasure, you know, personal emails, watching Netflix or whatever. And the lady on the line said, well, so if you tell me that you use it mainly for work, we will cover the entire cost of a new laptop. And my husband just repeated what he said. He said, in all honesty, I use it half for work and half for pleasure. And she repeated, she said, all you have to do is tell me you use it more for work than for pleasure. We will give you an entirely new laptop. It is That will be covered. He said, I can't say that. Honestly, I use it 50-50. And she said, well, so you're going to have to buy yourself a new laptop. He said, so be it, and put the phone down. And I was absolutely aghast. <laughs> and I said to him, all you had to do was say that you use it mainly for work. And he said, my integrity cannot be bought. And that blew me away that I had married a man who... It was so vital to him, the, the, the preciousness of his integrity um, wasn't worth a white lie to a woman on an insurance hotline for a new laptop. And so we paid for a new laptop and his integrity was intact mm. and that that was worth more than anything to him. And he's incredible. And, and I've, 
I've had to learn because in my childhood, you know, white lies were readily acceptable. Mm. That's how you get by in the world to mm. make things towards your advantage. Uh, so I've learned a lot from my husband about the power of integrity and in that Christian formation. So um, that would be my my sort of twin answer, that character formation of somebody who's utterly trustworthy mm. and the formation that God does through his Holy Spirit um, for our inner knowledge of our self-worth and yeah. that unconditional acceptance so that we're not leading out yeah. of a need to be liked, a need to be praised, yeah. a need to be successful, a need to be adored, mm. a need to be right. Mm. You know, mm. because all of those things are met by the knowledge of God's love for us. Yeah, wow. I, I just absolutely love what you shared because it's just so the opposite of what worldly culture throws up as what is being a great leader, you know, have a big vision, be an entrepreneur, do this, da, 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 you know, and um, being someone who's trustworthy, full of integrity, um, being humble, um, you know, developing our character, dealing with our stuff in the love of God is, is, it's really exciting. So can I just ask you, ask you, Bishop Ruth. So, you know, for any of us just, tuning into this um thinking i'd love to overcome some of my secure insecurities or or maybe that whole idea of dealing with stuff from our family of origin is is maybe something we're hearing for the very first time can you just talk a little bit about how the love of our heavenly father that unconditional love how what's what's your process of receiving that in a way which is transformative okay great I'll, I'll again i'll try and answer with a part a and a part b part a is spend a lot of time considering jesus so at jesus's baptism before the start of his ministry his public ministry he receives the holy spirit and the voice from heaven says you are my son who i love with you i am delighted i'm so you know i'm well please i i just delight over you that was his basis from then on he's he's compelled into the wilderness tempted by satan and launched into public ministry but the absolute number one before before you've done anything worthy of any gospel to be written about you you haven't healed anyone you haven't preached the gospel the kingdom you haven't um cast out any demons number one is i love you you're my child. I delight over you. Mm. Out of that, Jesus could and did do, do anything. And if you read a gospel, pick John's gospel, 42 times in John's gospel alone, the writer says Jesus was only doing what the Father said um, he was only operating out of what he knew the will of the father was mm. and if you read the gospel with those eyes you can see the freedom and the confidence and the boldness that mm. that core 
identity gave him. Um, his, his family, his own family at one point, quite early on, come to have an intervention, come to take possession of him and say, you know, they've sent the brothers to grab hold of him and remove him to a secure location because he has lost his mind. Mm. He, you know, his own family have had a family meeting behind his back to discuss what on earth they're going to do about the fact that Jesus is going around saying that he's the Messiah. Mm. And their conclusion is, you better just go and get hold of him, take possession of him. We need to, you know, if they'd have had a lunatic asylum, mm. that is where his own family were, felt it was, it was, you know, appropriate to take him. He's lost his mind. So your own mum and, you know, your own siblings think you're crazy. Um, other people are saying he's demon-possessed, he's evil. His religious, the religious leaders of the day, you know, whether Pharisee, Sadducee, high priest, Sanhedrin, say he's, he's either demon-possessed, um, uh, he's just, he's a blasphemer, he's a Samaritan, you know, the insults and the building case towards his crucifixion grow and grow and grow his own disciples uh, desert him they say this teaching on bread and wine is too much you know they're fleeing at any point you just think about the pressure on jesus's identity any of the others would have asked would have said okay well we need to bend to this we need to bend to this pressure we need to accommodate um to this we need to pull back or you know tone down or yeah. calm down or go and reflect or relearn or whatever. Um, and Jesus doesn't, he, he can absolutely plow on in the mission that God has called him to, because you are my child. I love you. I'm, I'm delighted in you. And, and the voice of the father. Mm. Um, and that it's just the ultimate example, I think to us if, uh, who are, in roles of Christian leadership or being trained for future roles in Christian leadership to um, see the kind of inner security that's needed yeah. because the minute you enter Christian leadership, you are entering conflict. It's a war zone. It's, you know, we're not mucking about here. Um, and all the powers of the enemy are set against the Christian leader to be fruitful and effective in the kingdom of God. Uh, so it's, we're not playing games. Mm. Um, and so everything is going to be set against you feeling and knowing the security of the father and operating out of that. Yeah. And conflict is where it plays out. Um, and we, we might want to talk about that later, but you asked about, about me. Yeah, so I love that and um, just love how you've just given us just a Jesus-centred framework from the Gospels for, for you know, what this looks like and it's really powerful. Um, yeah, I think, so I imagine you have a hundred million things going on the whole time in your family before you even get to work. <laughs> so, so what's your process for maybe in the words of ephesians 3 remaining rooted and grounded 
yeah. in his love. Yeah. I think um, on this particular topic of being trustworthy and being secure, um, obviously you've got your arsenal of spiritual disciplines, regular communion, mm. prayer, Bible study, fellowship. Very important, that one. Mm. Um, accountability and fellowship. Um, personally speaking, and this is something that I'm still working on, uh, I was very much raised in a... quite uh, most of us were quite a performance driven upbringing you know you want to get your GCSEs and A levels and do well at sport and do well in music and you know mm. uh do well at university and you know we're on <laughs> you know it's a bit like those brownie badges or the boy scout badges you know that's what life's about is get you know yeah. you keep getting your badges and everyone will be happy with you and you know the aim of life is for everyone to be happy with you <laughs> and your brownie leader to say you know you've got another badge and you just go around collecting more uh, attainment badges badges of attainment everywhere um and then you discover that that's not the meaning of life it doesn't satisfy it's not what you're on this earth to do and that God is real and true. The gospel is real and true. Mm. Jesus loves you and has, um, hasn't got an attainment-driven life mm. marked out for you, a purpose-driven life, but mm. not one that's all about winning his favor through achieving mm. badges. Um, so then it puts you on a very different track. So me personally, I have to, um, I've had to learn the voice of God's, um, God's love, quite simply. I've had to learn that voice, that unconditional voice, and I have to intentionally hear it and listen to it, mm. Some, usually in a very, very childlike way. Mm. Um, and, and what that voice sounds like to me is the voice of kindness. And kindness is, you know, it's sort of overused word. You know, you go into Tesco and there's T-shirts, be kind and, you know, hashtag kindness. But kindness as a quality of the Father's love is the most beautiful thing. And for a long time, I was really fascinated by God's grace. Mm. Uh, but more recently, I've experienced his grace as not as a forensic thing. God's riches at Christ's expense, that's all good but as his kindness towards me in the yeah. most beautiful way and to hear that voice yeah. uh, and um, in the good days and the bad days. Mm. And usually most days have plenty of bad in them, don't they? It's plenty mm. of struggle, plenty of failure, plenty of sin, plenty of disappointment. Uh, that's, that's life. That's the world we live in. Um, and so to intentionally tune in all day long, to the voice of God's kindness over me mm. in my sin and brokenness mm. um, is, is the most beautiful thing. And, and that freedom then mm. to end the day saying sometimes, Lord, I'm not even sure if I can say to you that I tried my best. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that would be right. You could say, well, it wasn't a great day, but I tried my best. Sometimes you can say that and, he, and you can hear God's kindness. Yeah. But you can even say, Lord, I'm ending the day. It wasn't a great day. I'm not even sure 
I really gave it my all. I'm I'm not even sure I did that. You know, you didn't even get 100%. And you can still hear him say, you're my daughter. Mm. I love you. Mm. I delight in you. Go to sleep. Mm. Leave it with me. I'm in charge. Mm. You know, it's so powerful. It's so liberating. And also the other, sorry, I know I'm going on, but when you have that voice of, um, God's unconditional love deeply over you. It's so freeing because you can lead exactly how he made you to lead. Mm. And you don't lead looking at someone else and thinking, well, I'll, I need to be like them or like them. You know, it's great to have people that we admire that we yeah. emulate, but fundamentally you stay in your lane this yeah. is where I've been planted. This is where I'm going to be fruitful. This is what I'm called to do. Mm. They're brilliant at that, but this is me. Mm. Yeah, I, I, that's really powerful. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, final final question, just to come into land on, on this one. Um, you know, one of the... I think my final question is, do you have any um what would you speak into the different sort of ages and stages growing in leadership so uh, and what i've got in mind is is sort of three categories um and i can think of them from our own community you know older teens into early 20s getting going wanting to serve god wanting to grow in leadership a a variance but you know callings you know vision for the future then what would you speak into those who maybe you've done some done some children done school we're sort of hitting middle years um quite experienced at this stage and um you know but wanting to use you know the best of talents and experience that they've accumulated and then what would you say to those who are kind of being released from the formalities of employment you know finding a different rhythm but again just wanting to just be walking with god be um leading others to jesus be be still offering their lives uh, for service in the kingdom just if that's okay just as we come into land maybe just hit, hitting those three different areas what would you say to those groups <laughs> It's funny you talk about the people raising children. I've quit. I've just got to go and open the door because my kids are <laughs> so poor. Go, go, go. <laughs> Great. Great. So um, getting going in, in spiritual leadership um, in your older teens, early 20s. Um, take every opportunity that you're given. Be hungry. Um, take the breadth of opportunities. You know, do the crazy stuff. You've got, you think you haven't got time. You think you're really busy, but you have got time. <laughs> and, uh, and people, if you think, I, I'd love to do this, but I've got no money then just make it known because people, you know, people will help fund you to have experiences. Get off and, you know, see Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong. Mm. Go and do a placement in a prison. 
uh, go and serve at a food bank, go and get your hands dirty, go and do a beach mission in Cornwall, go and serve at a holiday club, go and uh, visit a church in Kenya, you know, do this stuff, accumulate these experiences because um, once you have, you know, the nine to five job or perhaps children or, you know, a mortgage or things that mean you can't drop everything and, and run, um, this is a, often a time in life where, where you've got more freedom mm. uh, to, to, to grab opportunities. Um, the next thing I would say to that age group is also um, do things that just get you into proximity with five-star leaders, really great leaders. And they, they, they won't, not celebrity Christians, um, but people, like we were saying, who have got mm character who are trustworthy who are inspiring who are being brave and who are doing the stuff mm. and and you don't it doesn't have to be you know going up to them cap in hand and say will you mentor me please be my mentor mm. you might have to worry about that just say can i come with you next time you go into uh do some street evangelism can i come with you next time you serve at the food bank so mm. you know or whatever it is so you get proximity uh, to people. Offer to carry their bags and, you know, do the journey with them. Uh, and then learn, learn, learn everything you can from watching them do the stuff. And people love to, to, to have apprentices. You know, and this was Jesus's model, his, his presence with the disciples. They were very young. They were teenage boys, uh, yeah. most of them. Um, he spotted their potential. He spent loads of time with them and he taught them on the job. Um, so it's not so much about going to endless courses, but mm. it's about getting out there on the job, doing the stuff. And then he just, you know, handed out authority, spiritual authority for them as young people to go and go and do it all in his name. Um, the middle years are difficult because you've got lots of responsibilities. But I would say um, don't be frustrated by what you might feel ties you down but really see the potential the kingdom potential of that stage in life um so for those of you listening who are parents that school gate mm. relationship and um, you know you you can be a parent of a child in reception you think oh i'm gonna have you know 10 years of this it just goes by in a flash and as soon as the kids are at secondary school the school gate parent is gone so that primary age of the Christmas fair and the fundraiser and the quiz night and the, the those parental engagements and the sports day and all that kind of thing is unbelievably precious. So um, I would say make the most of make the most of that. Um, but I recognise that's not everybody's experience of being in their thirties and forties. So forgive me if if that's not yours. Um, also, in terms of your front line, you know, your workplace or your place of volunteering, um, uh, it can be phenomenally fruitful, but you've got to be very intentional about it. Uh, and, um, and I would say that's the kind of thing where a mentoring or an accountability relationship or a prayer triplet where you say, in my office, with my, you know, seven colleagues in this office space this year where I'm the only Christian 
I'm going to say within a year, Lord, I want to see one of them come to faith. And so what is it going to take for that to happen? It's going to take prayer. It's going to take you to be accountable. It's going to take other people to be praying for you. It's going to take you to really think through your witness. It's going to be costly and sacrificial and, you know, um, but um, God will, God will absolutely use you. Older years, um, retired cohort. Um, please do not underestimate what value there is in your own spiritual fire mm-hmm. in that age group. We need you to be on fire for mm-hmm. God. We need you to not think, oh, great, I'm 72. I've done my bit. I've been church warden. Um, I can put my feet up and coast. And now it's time for the younger lot to lead the show. You know, It might be time for the, the younger lot to lead. But it is, please, please, please be on fire for Christ. That's yeah. almost all we need you to do is be yeah. on fire for Jesus mm-hmm. so that the younger ones see you burn with passion for him and his kingdom yeah. uh, and, and to be praying and prophesying for the rising generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that was my second point for the older generation is, is make your discipleship about empowering and releasing and blessing the younger generation don't be a cohort of retired people who are cross that everything's all about the young now (laughs) and you know be be a cohort of retired people who are cheering on the 11 and 12 year olds as they start to learn how to pray out loud and cheering on the new youth pastor that you have paid for, even though you haven't got, you know, your kids are now in their forties. You know, be, be passionate about uh, releasing and raising up and being prayerful because you cannot overestimate the power of the older generation um, being being passionate for the rising generation. So good, so good. Um, thank you, Bishop Ruth. We're going to draw to a close now. Uh, you're joining us for another episode very very shortly. So uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Bishop Ruth. Absolute gold, and thank you on behalf of us all. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us on the Roots Podcast. To connect with our community and to find other resources, visit chanctonbury.org.uk.